Welcome to the Live Up Podcast, where we revisit the movies from our youth to see if they live up. I'm Jess Latterman. And I'm Amanda Treat. Today we're reviewing a movie I must have seen a dozen times on network television with all of the swears bleeped out. It's 1988's Coming to America, Mother Father. (laughs) Is that how they bleeped it? (laughs) Oh, yeah. You had to rewind. Yeah. We had tapes that we used to put in instead of DVDs, which, kids, a DVD is a small disc. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. We're getting off track. All right. Coming to America. Jess, you chose this movie. Did you watch it a lot? Why are we... uh... Why did we review this movie? Yeah, I um, I also, I mean, a dozen might not be enough in terms of quantity for how much I've watched this movie. I watched it so much, countless times. It was one of those that was like way up there on the queue, or not the queue, but on the rotation. Um, <laughs> before there was a queue. Before there was a queue. There was just a stack of... <laughs> kids stack of VHS cassettes (laughs) that's right and I I just think that the best for this podcast like the best movie is one that you've watched or we've watched or someone has watched but what were your memories of watching this as a kid a teen an adult I don't know uh must have been probably like a and at that point Eddie Murphy that was like his he like owned all of pop culture at that point uh, he was on SNL. He had his movies. He had his comedy albums, uh, which I did not listen to until way later when it was more <laughs> appropriate. <laughs> but yeah, I knew Eddie Murphy from SNL first, I think. Um, for some reason, I remember seeing the Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood skits. I don't know how I was watching those because I wasn't staying up and watching SNL and they weren't rerunning that during the day. What I remember the most from this movie is that those two guys play almost every character in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I had forgotten about that until I was watching. I was like, oh, yeah, that's Eddie Murphy, too. Wait, is that Mr. Neal Hall, too? Yeah. It's yeah, there was moments rewatching it now where I was like, is that an actor or is that just one of them with like really good makeup again? I, I read that this yeah. uh got nominated for best makeup for an Academy Award. So it's really good makeup. I mean, no, once they good. start talking, you're like, oh wait, that's that's Eddie Murphy again. <laughs> that Jewish guy in the barbershop is actually just Eddie Murphy again. Yeah, th- that one I knew and remembered. That was yeah. classic, but I forgot that the preacher was Arsenio Hall. Not until the credits rolled that I was like, no, oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even notice it during the movie. Yeah. That While I was watching that scene, I'd forgotten all about that scene. But in my head, I was like, that's got to be one of them. But I don't even know which one it is. <laughs> yeah. So good. <clears throat> but we'll we'll get into, uh, well, as many characters as we can in a little bit. Can I um, remind you about the same time? Everyone in my elementary school was listening and could sing all the words to that song, The Humpty Dance. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. With the line about what will tickle your rear. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm watching your that's face. True. You're like, oh, yeah, that line. Yeah, we all knew that in fourth grade. Sing along, kids. Yeah. Like, oh, so, yeah, we were exposed to a lot of stuff that sounded awesome and we had no idea what they were talking about. Or even if we did, we just giggled and let it go. And I don't think we're too screwed up from that. No, maybe I, a little, but like, not, maybe are we all desensitized lot. in a way? I mean, because <laughs> there are a lot of times, not just with this movie, but with others that I'm like, oh, this wouldn't really, I'm not sure that this would be like watchable for someone at age 10 today. But 
really who cares right 30 years from now there's going to be a 10 year old with a podcast well she'll be 40 at that point but she'll be like (laughs) there was this music video wop and everyone made the biggest deal about it maybe the whole podcast is about Nicki Minaj music videos right I know it's like there's nothing shocking anymore though I feel like but but I I guess I feel like who cares at the end of the day so it had some it had some boobs it's fine yes and really honestly it's Right at the beginning, easy for a network television to cut that scene out and doesn't, I don't know, it wasn't like overly sexual. The movie in general, I didn't think was overly sexual. I think it was more so than I remember, but the movie is not just about bathers cleaning the yes, penis though. So we, we should, should probably, probably give a recap. We could always talk about that still more, but let's dive in. Uh, as we said at the beginning, we're going to review the movie and then we're going to score it uh, from one to 10 for whether it lives up to us now as adults and whether it lives up to its intended audience. Or I think maybe in this case, maybe it's unintended audience, because <laughs> um, I do I do kind of think the intended audience might have been adults and we just happened to have seen it a lot when we were younger. <laughs> That's what I think. Really briefly, Coming to America, if just like us, you haven't seen it in three decades, and it's possible, uh, it's, a, it's a fictional prince who's Eddie Murphy um, playing Prince Akeem from the fictional country in Africa, Zamunda, um, and he wants to marry for love. So he convinces his father, the king, who's played by James Earl Jones, to sow his royal oats in America. And and that's does, the king's words, not the prince's. That is not the prince's. The amount of time they make James Earl Jones say that phrase <laughs> just looked uncomfortable for him. I know. And and I mean, what it really is, is that he's just a man looking for someone to love him just the way he is, like Lord Darcy style. So that's basically the plot. And I think it's part fish out of water, part satire, part rom-com. Um, it has so many comedic layers to it, though, and I, I kind of felt that uh, also watching it again. But yeah, let me just start also by setting the scene of me now 30 years later going to watch this movie. Total mom of the year here. I decided to sit down and watch it. And my my five-year-old, my five-year-old was like, oh, can I watch, you know, bonus screen time? So I'm like, sure, this movie's amazing. Yeah, Let's watch this so together. much fun for a five-year-old. <laughs> and I'm watching it. I let him watch the first 20 minutes and then I was like, oh my God. And then as I'm watching it, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what was, what is this movie rated? And then I look it up and I was like blown away that it was rated R. <laughs> and then my wife yells in the next room, what's it rated? And I'm like, R. Whoops. <laughs> Oops. I'm going to pause it now. <laughs> Sorry, honey. My bad. I didn't look at the cover. I know. And I you don't even... have a VHS cassette to look at. I know. That's the I problem. Nothing to read combined and they were like if you love eddie murphy movies catch them on paramount or whatever i was watching there and then it cuts to just the giant this film has been rated r restricted it was like what whoa why (laughs) you know like i've seen this movie as a kid why is this rated r and again there's a little bit of nudity at the beginning just boobs pretty much and there's not even that threatening it's more of a like how how is like our comedic duo gonna save the day here so yeah it was just like why is this rated r it's the profanity (laughs) yeah i guess it's just a profanity because i felt like did they were they harsher raiders back in 1988 no there's this actual rule that you can't use it's you know george carlin went into his like naughty words um (laughs) what is it the seven seven naughty words you get to say one fuck and have it be rated PG-13. Once you get into the second one, it's R. And this movie has 
thousands of them. Yeah, like, there's a lot. There's a chorus of people from Queens, New York, leaning out their windows, yelling, shut the fuck up anytime <laughs> they're out on the street. Yep. Just F-bombs left and right. They're not even like threatening. They're just kind of ambient swearing. So there is just so it's just much part cursing. of the texture. Yes. It's, it's definitely part of the, the texture. New York flavor that this yes. movie decided yes. to take. <laughs> Yeah, they very easily could have made it a PG-13 movie. And I have a feeling Eddie Murphy was like, nope, keep it. I don't care what it's rated. The kids will see it anyway. And we did. <laughs> Meanwhile, they did. Yes. But, yeah. Yeah, and so, like, that was totally Eddie Murphy's vibe at the time. He was, like, raunchy. He had raw, you know. But he also always came through as, like, the nice guy at the end. Yeah. So, and he does, he does hear, like, you know prince with a heart of gold and i know anyway though what what do you think of uh eddie murphy as prince akeem you've seen this so many times but did you have a new take on it watching it as an adult yeah i i say i think my new take might be really similar but just almost like a fine wine more appreciation for eddie murphy because like i said my overall impression my memory of it was really wrapped around eddie murphy and how funny he was and then sitting down to watch it again i'm like Eddie Murphy's brilliant. He's he's really funny, and he's even funnier than I could have like picked up on as a kid. So, and I was worried sitting down because I loved him so much. I was worried it was going to be dated and cringy, um, and I was like kind of ready for that. I was like, oh god, I know there's going to be things in here that are just awful, but it it mostly landed for me. I mean, of course, it's a little bit dated, but I I think he really. He's just a comic delight in this movie. And, and he's so funny. And like, you're totally right. He's, it's raunchy and he drives the raunchiness, but he's also the nice guy and endearing. And, you know, one scene that I forgot about then, but as soon as it started happening, I was like, oh my God, I love this line. When he, um, as Prince, at this, at this point, he is working as a janitor at the McDowell's, which the knockoff McDonald's restaurant. Oh, I love that. I forgot love it. about that. <laughs> and he has a thing for the owner's daughter, Lisa, and he's really like pretty much really trying to court her and but he's pretending to be poor so he like mops his way into her office and was like hi i am akeem i have recently been placed in charge of garbage when you think of garbage think of akeem and and like whatever i just said i think sounds dumb maybe on this podcast it sounds dumb but it doesn't sound dumb when he says it it's very it's awkward but it's so sweet and it's kind of like they have a meet cute in her office that <laughs> even though he sets it up so I guess it's not a technical meet cute but yeah he's genuinely nice and he's not he's putting on this fake accent from this fake country that doesn't exist and that's where I was prepared to like I was ready to cringe like oh yeah. my god what are we about to do here and he's not making fun of anybody he's really being genuine but just putting on this made-up accent for I guess to make it more believable, because otherwise he'd be sounding like Eddie Murphy from New York um, <laughs> right. from SNL. Yeah, no, I thought that was a very kind of sweet scene. And like, she's not a jerk to him, but at the same time, she's also giving him that face like, you're being a little weird. Like, what yeah, are you doing in of my vibe. office? But it's nice yeah. to meet you. Like, okay, <laughs> good effort. We, we're getting along here. So yeah, I, I agree. I think Eddie Murphy, I remember him like, bouncing off the walls in some of his skits on SNL and he's much more subtle here I think like he is very relatable and like talks in a way that you know he's 
try and actually convey like, this is what I'm thinking and this is why I'm doing that. And it's not always a joke. It's genuine. Like, I really just want to meet somebody who I like their personality and that we get along and I have respect for her, which yeah. I was which not like expecting at all from this movie. But it was also funny and that even though he's a nice guy, there's one part at the beginning where he kind of breaks the fourth wall when he's meeting um, back in Zamunda. <laughs> He's meeting the woman who's going to be his um, or the 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 woman that his parents, the king and queen, have arranged for him to marry. And, you know, he like stops the presses and takes her aside into the separate room. And she's all just submissive, like, I like whatever you like. And he looks at the camera like dead on. And then he starts making her like hop on one foot and bark like a dog. <laughs> and I will say like that 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 point, my five year old was still watching with me and he mm. kind of thought it was funny. Oh, good. <laughs> there's in terms of breaking the fourth wall i don't remember that moment but there's a moment later when they use the dog to break the fourth wall like the adults in the mcdowell's house are doing something silly and the dog just looks at the camera oh that's right like (laughs) that's right i totally forgot about that which i thought yeah i thought that was funny it landed it landed and even though like you think like oh a prince makes woman hop on foot and bark like dog will be i was worried it was going to be a cringy scene but it wasn't it was still funny. it was just silly yeah <laughs> it, was silly. it was still funny so his plot line this is uh again prince akeem played by eddie murphy um the mom in the lion king as well oh my Why god i'm blanking on her name that. yeah no oh it's god. the same parents <laughs> so they like, basically to, the fictional king and queen like, of this there's some country. Disney executive who's been watching <laughs> Coming to America over and over again. It's like, you know what? The idea of like the royalty sneaking out and pretending to be a commoner and looking for love. That's great. Oh, you know what would be really great in that like African movie we're making about a lion with very regal parents? Like, let's just get the parents from Coming to America. They're perfect. I mean, and give them I, the same lines. <laughs> I think I'd argue that if they they should have just cast Eddie Murphy in The Lion King at this point, because I think it would have probably been even better. Of a Whoa, movie. <laughs> what kind of movie would that have been? Wow, a better one, I think. <laughs> His version uh, of Hakuna Matata would have been very odd. <laughs> it would have been very odd. You're right. Could he even sing? So his his buddy in the film, uh, Semi, played by Arsenio Hall, yeah. um, who's also quite funny. Was he everything you remembered him to be? Was he funnier? Was he cringy? Um, I think he was exactly how I remembered him. Like he's the sidekick character. So he's a little bit goofier and, you know, they give him some of the, he's the fall guy on some of the jokes. He's also the one who uh, can't stand the fact that they're doing this experiment and moving to Queens and pretending to have no money. It's driving him nuts. Um, I found that to be Yeah, I, I liked him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know what? Who who wants to go to work in 1980s Queens in some place pulled up by Samuel Jackson? Not me. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. No, I don't think he's doing. Yeah. None of his uh, whining, we'll call it, is out of line. Like he genuinely came from a palace and has to go live in this bummed out apartment with rats running around in it. And a body on the floor when they first arrive, the like outline. <laughs> There's an outline. Oh God, it's like the last tenant was a blind man. So his outline's on the floor. And then they've done an outline of his walking stick. 
then they did an outline of his seeing eye dog. Yeah. That to me, I was like, oh, that's a little too much. I don't want to see that. Come on. And yeah. yeah. The landlord says, oh, it's a shame about the dog. <laughs> what? Although, I mean, yeah, sure. It's a bit much. But did I laugh? I did. I did. I found it funny. <laughs> I, I was I was genuinely sad for this fictitious dog. But... <laughs> yeah, I thought he was, Arsenio Hall was funny. And especially yeah. at, at the end when I realized he was the preacher, I, which I didn't even like realize in rewatching it. I I thought he was. Funny. Did you notice him in other roles before the credits, like as the drag queen or as oh yeah, the guy as... in the barbershop? And... I recognized okay. him in the barbershop, and of course I recognized him in like the most hideous woman ever in in the bar. <laughs> I think that's what the credits actually called most hideous woman ever. <laughs> she doesn't have a name; she's just the most hideous woman ever. <laughs> Arsenio Hall with lipstick. So if folks don't remember, there's this, you know, Arsenio Hall and Eddie Murphy as Semi and Hakeem are basically like, we have to find Hakeem a wife. Let's go to all these bars in Queens. And and you just sort of have this montage of these ridiculous women that they're talking to. And they're all just, they're crazy. They're drug addicts. They're horn dogs. They're all these things. But yeah, Arsenio Hall's then is in drag. Not even great drag. I mean, like she basically it's Arsenio Hall with like no makeup and a wig, I think. <laughs> Close, yeah. <laughs> and I think and they it, have him seated across the table, so he's like hitting on himself. Yeah. Like, they keep jumping back and forth across the table. That was kind of funny the way they were doing that. It was funny, and I think that also it was you're totally over the top meant to know that that's Arsenio Hall. Like they're not yes. trying to disguise him by <laughs> any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. And I kept thinking though, not to get off track, but for that scene, I'm like, these are, these ladies are not New York's finest. <laughs> Just no, but like, would you expect to find a wife in a bar in one night of going out in Queens, like bar hopping? Actually, wait, it was meant to be multiple nights though. Like they keep changing. They have like various, not quite Cosby sweaters, but like very <laughs> unique looking sweaters that they're going out clubbing in. Yeah. So I think they went to more than one bar, but yeah, you're not picking up a wife at a dive bar. Yeah. In Queens in 1988. My my other favorite thing about Arsenio Hall was that his, um, I mean, of course, he's like to- super whiny about being in like a total dump in New York. Um, and when he finally is fed up and basically sends a telegram to the king to basically say, help me and send money. And his exchange with the woman at the telegram office, which also just the idea of sending a telegram. I mean, that's just so ridiculous. Kids, but... a telegram was a way of sending a message before there were texts. You had to go to an office and they would type it up on paper and then kind of text it to another office, put it on paper and then deliver the paper to your house. I mean, old I school think, texting. I even think you and I are too young for telegrams. Like, oh uh, God, yeah. But just that, uh, his exchange with the telegram office woman was very funny like he's asking for money she was funny I didn't know who she was but she reminded me of Gilda Radner yes she really does and she's so New York I mean I think she's even smoking a cigarette if she wasn't smoking a cigarette she might as well have been and she's like you want to send this do you think it's enough money let's go for a cool million like she totally (laughs) eggs him on and you know Arsenio Hall just plays it super naive and the thing is I think what's great about the movie I know we're like now in gushing territory is that all of this could be dumb. All of this could be over the top. And it's not. It's pretty funny still. Yes. Yeah. Do we want to talk about some of the other characters? Because uh, we've talked about the 
Let's do it. African side of the cast. We have um, Sherry Headley, I think is how we say her last name, um, playing Lisa, who's the love interest. And in looking her up, because it was like, she's familiar. She's on like all these television shows. Um, but the fun thing I found on her kind of IMDb page is that she used to be married to Play from Kid and Play. No. Do you remember the oh House Party God. movies? You might have to do that. an episode on House Party, but. Wow. <laughs> I oh my god those haircuts they used to have oh yeah oh, they're probably amazing so uh, uh awesome well done sherry very well done <laughs> i thought she was just okay i mean if i were to say like in some ways from a modern sensibility i think like her character is supposed to be she's well educated she's helping her dad run the business you know she's at what's called a black awareness night which we will get to um speaking about raising money for the community i mean like she's supposed to be a modern woman even in 1988 and i think that still translates mm -hmm. but i don't i feel like her character is a bit one note it was just it's yeah she's supposed to be very good and very sweet doesn't do anything wrong and yeah she's a little bland but she's also like the straight man and that's all true of this. there's a lot of chaotic characters going on around her and <laughs> that's super true like her she sister. is trying her best <laughs> her sister uh i think patrice was her name yeah. i mean she's I, funny she is funny and i forgot she existed really until i started watching this again and like her whole younger sister shtick like why does she get all the good ones is pretty funny i mean yeah no she just comes flying into all the scenes and she's dancing <laughs> she's saying like sassy things and then dashes away she was yeah she was a fun character um we have john amos is playing their dad he's uh i remember him as gordy from the mary tyler moore show oh the, that's uh, right sports guy yeah which i was a fan of that show so me too I still am and he was on Good Times, and he's in a bunch of other movies, but he's playing Cleo McDowell, the owner of the McDowell's, kind of looks like a McDonald's, but isn't. And initially, when I saw the restaurant, I was like, oh, they couldn't get clearance on McDonald's, so they're just knocking it off. But then they worked that right into this movie that actually <laughs> it's this guy is knocking off McDonald's. And... Yeah, he's even got like the McDonald's like operating manual in his office somewhere and he keeps hiding it from people. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think this I think he's a very fun character. Like he is intended to be like a little bit greedy and a little bit opportunistic, but at the same time you see that he actually just really cares about his daughters and he's just trying to set them up for a better life than he and his wife had because they worked so hard, I think was what he had said to her. I yeah, thought he was hilarious. Funny. I thought he was pretty funny too. And just, yeah. like the, you know, he's definitely a little bit the setup man too. You know, he, yeah. he invites like Akeem and uh, Semi over for a gathering at his house. But in reality, it's just so Akeem and, and um, Semi could just basically work the party as bartenders and valets. So there's, yeah, so he has like some funny setups there. And I enjoyed him too. I found him to be endearing. He wasn't all about the money but he certainly had funny lines about it i mean yes. he's definitely he's he's the dad he's pushing so lisa not least like the character lisa is dating daryl who's like the heir to a hair product company. oh God, that's oh, what oh, is it called God, uh, it. soul glow soul glow <laughs> so good um it's hair gel for uh 
Yeah, it's, oh and we'll God. get to it, that, but I, I it's think- It's so funny. It's so funny, but I think, you know, Cleo's really like pushing that relationship, obviously, and that's like a key piece of the plot. And at some point at the end, when he finally realizes who, who Akeem is, He's like shouting. He's like, Akeem makes Daryl look like he's on welfare. And and like Elaine and I both really laughed at that point. Even though it's like, is it funny that he's making a welfare joke? Actually, it is funny. I'm gonna laugh. <laughs> so there's a lot of a lot of humor tucked in here where it's like, is it okay for me to laugh at this? Like, uh, I know like Eddie Murphy hand wrote all of these jokes and he is dressed in white face, sitting in a barber shop, calling his own character <laughs> in multiple scenes. And I'm like, Ooh, uh, like I know. <laughs> it's hard to call that funny as a white middle-aged suburban lady. That's the part. Those are the parts that I was worried were going to be really cringe, but they they kind of weren't for me. Um, yeah, they're I, they're still good natured, even though they yeah. are a little racist. And, and the whole soul glow thing is kind of funny. I mean, like the product itself is basically so. You know, people who <laughs> people like black people could have hair that is that is well, softer. Like and it so was the remember the Jerry Curl was like the big hairdo back in the eighties. And yeah. I feel like Eddie Murphy's just making fun of that. Like, right. If he's nothing else of- gets picked on in this movie, he's making fun of Jerry Curls. He is. And and I I obviously as like a ten year old didn't pick up on like that kind of like satire, if you will. You know, they're leaving grease stains on the couch because of their hair and it's funny. I actually can we talk about poor Eric LaSalle as Daryl because yes. he's yes. such a good actor and this character is like <laughs> the butt of so many jokes. And his I gotta go, his outfits are ridiculous. Oh, they're like that thing at the basketball game he's wearing. I can't tell if it's a coat or a sweater, but it's got fringe coming out left and right, like leathery fringe. It's so weird. Yeah, poor, I think poor I Eric LaSalle. <laughs> That generally speaking, the fashion was very floofy. I mean, I don't even know if that's a word, but it's like everything was very floofed and it just seemed very 80s. Yes. I sort of forgot how I forgot that the guy from ER was in. I I know. By the time he's in ER, you're like, oh, I love this doctor. Like, I don't want anything bad. He was a great character. And then you see him playing Daryl in this movie and you're like, ew, Daryl. Yeah. Daryl heir to the soul glow soul glow fortune yeah and he plays like a quintessential prick I mean he it's somewhat of like a classic character trope of like if this movie were set in high school he would probably be like the quarterback or something that bullied people like he yeah he's sort of like stereotypical had everything handed it to him but he pretends to be an alpha male I guess yeah no he's definitely being smarmy he's being a jerk to Hakeem and he's not particularly nice to his she starts Lisa starts off as his girlfriend it's not very nice to her you know anytime he has to take any sort of action at all he's kind of a wuss when it comes down to it and they talk about like he just inherited all this money from his dad and he's coasting off of that and yeah he's just a foil really for showing you how hardworking. Akeem is being versus how uh, lazy and disingenuous and smarmy the rich yes. guy is. So once again, the rich guy. Ugh. Yeah. I know it's it's always fun to make fun of rich people. I feel like that's a theme <laughs> in a lot of the movies we've watched. Yeah. But, 
he I mean he definitely has a role to play in the plot and I I kind of feel like his big fuck up is you know he basically stages like at the gathering at the house when uh, at 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 the McDowell house he basically makes an announcement with daddy Cleo to say that that he and Lisa are engaged and in which case he is not actually proposed and you know she's pissed and that sort of ends their relationship essentially so basically the whole movie happens because Daryl Dunn fucked up I mean that essentially uh which is like a little neat and tidy but um I think watching that as an adult I was like you prick oh yeah (laughs) I'd forgotten that scene but just I do too yeah. I've I've read on like you know you see on like Reddit and stuff like people complaining like am I the asshole for breaking off this engagement that I didn't agree to and it's like nope <laughs> shouldn't nope. do that nope nobody yeah. watched Coming to America on this thread <laughs> <laughs> yeah I had forgotten that entirely the, yeah yeah I have to it, say I had forgotten just the whole idea of arranged marriages (laughs) entirely when I was like my memory as a kid like I know that that's like the key the whole point of the movie but I just sort of a little bit skated over my head I guess at age 10 maybe Mm. when I was watching this yeah so I think I don't know if there's other characters we want to get to um I don't think we need to take a deep dive other than to just call out that this movie has a lot of people in early roles who oh, go yeah. on to show their full awesomeness. Um we mentioned Samuel L Jackson shows up with a gun and a ton of <laughs> profanity because it's Samuel L Jackson. Um but yeah, I was like, "Oh my god, he's in this. I forgot about that for a minute, but it's still so quintessential Samuel L. Jackson. It's great. It is. It's actually kind of classic within like his two minute scene. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly what you would expect from a cameo of Samuel L. Jackson. And then uh, they've got the, on the fry cook line, Louis Anderson. I had forgotten he was in this. Yeah. He barely has any lines. He's barely in it. He's just kind of flipping burgers in the background, but it's like, wow. Like, I'm sure he was really good friends with Eddie Murphy, but it was funny to see him looking so young and just yes. floating around in the background of this restaurant. And then randomly, it's so obviously him, but uh, the first shot of the barbershop, Cuba Gooding Jr. is sitting in the chair getting his hair cut. He only has one line. But it's like, hey, everyone, Oscar winner, Cuba Gooding Jr. I know. getting a haircut. I know. He, he had to have been like... A- teenager or younger in that yeah I he his face is the same though I know I it definitely I, I looked at him right away I think I was like staring at him on the screen like what's Cuba Gooding Jr. doing in this movie <laughs> like oh fun to see all of them really young and then we probably could talk a little bit more about James Earl Jones oh sure he was huge he's still huge but in the 80s I mean do you remember he used to do the voice of like the phone when you picked it up and dialed no what are you talking about for a couple of years there he was the voice of at&t and kids before cell phones we (laughs) used to have phones that connected to our walls and they were called landlines oh my um you'd pick up the phone and to make a phone call to someone else's landline and he was there going at&t and it was oh that's right remember that i totally forgot about that he's darth vader to me he's darth vader and he yeah, was field, he was Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams I'd seen before this movie. Yeah, which um, I think Field of Dreams came out later or right maybe it? right. No, I, I know I saw right it first. Time. Even you know, my wife had pointed this out. There's when James Earl Jones is like 
when his character is like going to New York to basically be like, what the fuck's going on here? He comes out of his limo and he's wearing this giant lion skin. And that's like, oh my God, that's like, definitely, you're totally right that some Disney exec is like, we have now found our our dad for our Lion King movie. I'm picturing this Disney exec was like drinking and woke up and this movie was playing on television as it did repeatedly and that this executive had a hangover and just saw James Earl Jones draped in the lion and was like yes that's who my lion will be (laughs) but I think with a lot of these movies that we remember liking as kids and that are enjoying and we obviously we're, we're enjoying this movie um you know the cast is really just outsized for what the movie is I mean this is just a silly yes. comedy and the cast is great and James Earl Jones is fantastic in this he's so he has gravitas he's funny he's ridiculous he's all the things I almost think he and Mad St. Clair have like too much gravitas for this movie like they are such esteemed actors <laughs> maybe like they're too good to be king and queen of zamunda uh well they're too good to be the butt of the joke which for the most part they weren't but like there's that moment where the queen gets stuck in a lazy boy chair and i just was like oh don't do that to her (laughs) nobody puts mad saint Clair in the corner (laughs) like it just felt uncomfortable to me and it, it was a little uncomfortable every time james earl jones and we hinted at this earlier he keeps using the phrase like oh akeem's going to go sow his royal oats and he says it with this kind of like little eyebrow raise yeah kind of creepy and it just is not the james earl jones that i want to see i don't know like i expect him to be like so like serious with such dignity and like there's moments in this movie where it's like oh no don't take him down a peg and make him like say all that ew like yeah i mean some of it was still gross like i when he was like i just assumed you had sex with your bathers when um this is when james Earl jones is the king is talking to prince akeem about you know basically like oh you don't want to get married that must mean you've never had sex well of course you've had sex with your bathers they clean your penis like i think that's where the logic goes yeah it's that was the only line you're totally right from someone like james Earl jones felt like a little cringe yeah just (laughs) was a little mismatch for my brain yeah oh yeah it was it is a little bit of a mismatch so one thing that was surprisingly not a mismatch like what i did that there with my segue um hey nice one nice smooth smooth yeah so i have thoughts about queens in the 1980s you know i did not grow up in queens i grew up on long island but my parents live in queens now and And to clarify this is queens new york not the queen of zamunda that we were just talking about as a character we're on the geographical location although that is a joke in this movie it is and but go on i'd love to hear your thoughts on new york (laughs) i kind of wondered even in 1988 do people outside of new york like i mean they must find this joke funny because the idea that queens is the place to go for a royal bride is is just it's still funny i mean even in the year of our lord 2023 so i i have a lot of notes that i'm like oh my god all the garbage on the street oh my god it's so gross but i gotta say it still looks like that amanda like i think (laughs) i haven't been to queens on the street um ever i don't know if i've been to queens 
I realize my relatives are going to be listening to this and um, I could see like up in arms she already. She loves you. But, just make sure there's no trash in front of your house. Yeah, it's not just the trash. <laughs> it's just like Queens is looks a little gloomy. The architecture is a little gloomy. It's just not pretty. And so if you're going to pick a place to be super gritty and gross, Queens is like the place. And <laughs> my thought is that it ain't that different in the year 2023. (laughs) I mean, crime. Yeah. Like all of that is different, obviously, but it, it just struck me (laughs) that it did not, it wasn't like you're watching a movie that takes place in, you know, Manhattan and in the eighties and Manhattan's a dump or something where you or the seventies, like where that is not the case today. I kind of feel like Queen still looks like this and perfect. (laughs) Yeah. And I just think that the depiction of the New Yorkers was over the top, but really funny. I I mean, the whole thing was funny. Like when Hakeem is on the subway, he's trying to chase Lisa down and he's like confessing his love and everyone in the subway looks up and is like totally there for the, 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 I really love that part too. I love that the just bystanders on the subway are like, totally like eating popcorn watching this conversation go down and then get involved at a certain point like go on like Like, (laughs) I know so there was stuff like that that I thought was was very New York and very funny and still like that if you will there were definitely parts of the way New York was portrayed that was like gritty but charming (laughs) right and and I think that was my impression of New York in the 80s which was entirely based on seeing it in movies you know like we'll eventually get to the ninja turtles movie but their version of new york is gritty maybe less charming in places um yeah but yeah it just it was a pre giuliani cleanup new york it was (laughs) i mean of course it's exaggerated and ridiculous but it's it definitely serves as the foil for beautiful king beautiful castle going to like a shitty neighborhood in Queens where, and I have to say watching it when they first arrive in Queens with all of their ridiculous luggage that they leave outside. Like I still have anxiety when they walk away from their luggage and go, Oh, you know I'm what's like, going to happen. Like, don't leave the luggage. <laughs> it's going to disappear. <laughs> and then I love like a few scenes later, you see like the homeless men standing around the trash can fire and they're all like decked out in robes. In the floofy and, clothes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Everyone in this neighborhood dresses beautifully now because they've stolen all the clothes from the prince. Like, fantastic. Actually, speaking of homeless people, (laughs) I totally forgot to mention this. You had picked up on this too about the the random cameos from uh, Trading Places. Yes. Um, So this movie was directed by John Landis, who also directed Trading Places with Eddie Murphy and uh oh god what are their names mortimer and mortimer and oh i'm blanking on it don't call me out (laughs) but uh (laughs) yes the two men from the uh end of trading places are sleeping in a pile of trash and receive a bunch of money from prince akeem who's trying to get rid of uh you know his slush funds there and right you see them like with each other they're like we're back and it's like oh no have we extended into the trading places universe and these two bad characters from that movie are suddenly like off to cause trouble again i thought that was kind of funny um (laughs) and it was a fun cameo it was was a fun cameo i mean i think one where i'm gonna guess more people probably are attached to coming to america and might that might just go over their heads if you've never 
seen that movie, but um, this movie, at least at home for me, was in heavy rotation with Trading Places. I mean, we watched both of these movies because we loved Eddie Murphy. We watched both of these movies all the time. So I remember loving that scene. As Trading Places too. is a fantastic movie. Too. It is. Yeah, we'll have to do that. One we'll have to do that. One too. And I feel like John Landis, like another director who was more slapsticky, would have been like leading this movie in the wrong direction. I feel like he held the line between like it is very funny and there's a lot of edgy stuff going on here but it's also very like kind and like pleasant to watch and children will be watching this movie and uh learning a lot of bad words apparently but um <laughs> uh he also directed Animal House he did Blues Brothers he did Three Amigos and like a ton of other things but um he also did the thriller music video oh did that's right that? i do that i think i watched a whole documentary about him directing the thriller mu um music video oh wow and he did michael jackson's black or white video which no premiered way. on a sunday night after i think it was like between the simpsons and in living color or maybe after in living color but i remember like everyone gathered around their televisions to watch the live premiere of michael jackson's like black or white i totally remember that yeah so right now it would just be like out on the tickety talk and could we oh, sound yeah. more old i don't know the tickety talk <laughs> sounds pretty old <laughs> get off my lawn with your tickety talk <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah so i think you know i i just wanted to bring up like that i felt like 1980s queens just sort of felt like still hold <laughs> sorry entire borough and my family members but it's i love i love the scene where they essentially they're just trying to pick anywhere in the world to go to look for a wife and they spin a globe and land on america and then focus in on new york and then they see the word queens and look at each other and they're like queens <laughs> we're gonna go find a queen in queens like <laughs> They're so excited about it. Like, it's just the excitement in uh, Prince Akeem's character in many scenes just pulls off. Like, I think there's a lot of jokes that without that level of energy and enthusiasm, it would be like, eh, that's silly. But like, they're so excited they're going to Queens. Yeah. So were there any things that were just straight up cringy to you? Um, I think it's really the James Earl Jones being a little too sexual for uh, my childhood brain or my adult brain thinking back that oh my god my childhood brain saw this and then I think it's all funny but it's very hard for me to call a lot of the racial humor funny right yeah <laughs> now yeah. I'm just awkwardly uncomfortably chuckling as I'm saying it I don't know if you noticed this but when they go out of the palace and they're having like a father-son talk there's animals running around. Oh, and yeah. There's a little elephant that runs by, and Eddie Murphy just pets it and goes, Hello, Babar. And oh, my like, God. I, I, I didn't even catch that. Just when I was in college, and this was actually when you and I were uh, roommates. So you were probably down the hall asleep while I was writing this paper. Um, <laughs> I was taking a like analyzing children's literature class and had to write a paper on why Babar is racist. And for I was trying to write it like, well, it's not that racist, is it? And like, was up at four in the morning and just was like, no, it is. Oh, God. Like, I can't <laughs> write my way around this little elephant who gets 
rescued by a white lady and taught to wear clothes and stand upright and then goes back to the jungle to teach the other animals to wear clothes and stand oh, upright. Oh God, when it you say it like, like that. Ah! <laughs> uh, Akeem first meets or sees Lisa. It's at this rally slash, I'm not sure what to call it. This like community gathering for, I think it's Black Awareness Week is what they call yeah. it. And I think, I mean, again, this is gets, the, you know, we're two middle-aged white ladies talking about this, but I, I do think the humor intent is to be a send up of this at the time, basically you have the preacher character played by Arsenio Hall gets on stage to do a musical or no, not the preacher character. The, um, uh, there was the preacher character himself who was like, there's the preacher Rose. And And there's the soul singer, the soul singer, Randy Jackson, Randy Watson, Randy Watson. And he was from sexual chocolate and he like sings and it's an awful song and it's terrible and it's so cringy, but it's supposed to be cringy. But like a lot of times I'm just like, oh, I'm just like itching to grab for my like clutch my pearls moment with him (laughs) that um, not really more for like the sexual chocolate awkward singing. But there's definitely, you know, there's 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 still some jokes around that that are funny. Um, She asks, she says um, (laughs) softly. So um, hopefully we don't get hate mail for this. But uh, but it's funny. Or is it just sort of an interesting piece of the times that maybe as a white 10 year old living in the suburbs i didn't even pick up on <laughs> yeah i think it wasn't our experience at the time but yeah i feel like eddie murphy is taking a shot at somebody in his life or somebody he's seen i don't know who it is but it that felt like a little bit personal like the way he's got the preacher character and the way he's got the soul singer um yeah. that or he's auditioning for future characters he's about to play <laughs> doesn't he in dream girls eddie murphy plays like a <coughs> A really vain James Brown style singer, doesn't he? Oh God, I don't remember. It's been a while. It's a long, it was a long game. He was auditioning was a long for a game. movie that would I come mean, out. It was like... funny, but yeah, he was definitely like it's supposed to be over the top. I mean, the yeah. whole sexual chocolate thing, the floofy outfit is supposed to be over the top. But um, it, it I think it borders on cringe a little bit. It does. Um, yeah. One thing that I guess I mean it's awesome, but also I'm like they have too much gravitas for this. Um, the opening credits, as I was listening to it, it was you know, and they're like zooming in on the palace that uh, the movie starts at the palace setting. But when I was listening to it, I was like, this sounds like the band that sang with Paul Simon on Graceland. Like, what is? It? And I googled it, and it was like, oh my god, it's Lady Smith, Black Mombazo. What are they doing in this movie? <laughs> like. Grammy winning, like, you know, iconic singers. I just, I don't know, like a beautiful song. It's a a lion sleeps tonight. Yeah. It it stuck out to me too. of like a little on the nose. It felt like a little too on the nose. That drunk Disney exec steal that too. Maybe. Oh Oh my God. You know what? I wonder if some drunk Disney exec saw this movie and that's how he came up with the idea for doing the Lion King in animated form. I think there was a hangover involved (laughs) and it was a Sunday morning and just clicked on the television and there was coming to America. And this guy said, that's it. That's it. King, I've cut it. And the only mistake this exec made was not casting Eddie Murphy as well, I think. That would have made it way more obvious where the source material was coming from. Yeah. The only other um, one thing, like the McDowell's McDonald's thing, I mean, the jokes I thought were funny between the two of them, 
But then I was wondering, like, McDonald's was, like, a BFD, I feel like, when we were kids. Like, oh, I yeah. loved going to McDonald's. I mean, I don't anymore as an adult. I don't really go to McDonald's as after high school. I never went again, I don't think. So I kind of wonder whether, like, that joke would resonate today. Because right now, there's... By resonate today, I mean, like, amongst... And we haven't even talked, like, the intended audience here. Who the hell knows? But, um, you know, there, there's all sorts of burger joints that are knockoffs of burger joints. And, like, we all kind of accept it <laughs> nowadays. Like, all I the vegan like, places and the whatever I think it McDonald's is. is so iconic, though. I mean, the buildings have that very specific shape. And so does this McDowell's. It's clearly being filmed in a McDonald's with, like... I know it is. That's a little bit funny. of signage changing. And, like, they done an imitation of the golden arches which are so iconic for mcdonald's and like the happy meal looks like i mean everything in that just echoes mcdonald's so closely and i think the mcdonald's brand is so universal that it's true i'm not it, saying that nobody it would still it would still land i think it would that still, land. still land yeah i just i guess my perception of 1988 was that mcdonald's and was like the only fast food place in a way for that sold burgers at least from my memory of it. Yeah, so, me too. Yeah. So, and I feel like nowadays there's more choice in it. I don't know. I, it was still funny. The jokes were still funny, but I was just wondering like, is there, is there another brand that could possibly, other than McDonald's that could have ever pulled this off to make it funny? Probably not. No, I don't think so. Yeah. You, you could maybe do a Burger King or maybe like, remember you Justin and I have both uh, spent some time living in Australia. Did you ever go to a Hungry Jack when you were in Australia, which oh, was God. Burger King, but like they didn't have the license for Burger King, so they call it Hungry Jack? I feel like I remember them being there, but I don't remember, not specifically. Because the first time I went in one, it was kind of like this McDowell's McDonald's situation. I was like, this feels like a Burger King, but it's a Hungry Jack. What is happening here? <laughs> <laughs> Found out later, like, oh, okay, it was a Burger King. It just has a different name, but different name. <laughs> and the water goes down the sink in the opposite direction because it's Australia. <laughs> Something's a little off in this Hungry Jack. <laughs> Does Burger King know about this? <laughs> I kind of wonder whether McDonald's like, I mean, they must have loved this movie. I mean, I know we're talking about like a brand, but I think in some ways, like they're almost a character in the movie. <laughs> yeah, no, it insinuates that uh, Cleo McDowell is hiding this restaurant from McDonald's and he's just so paranoid that McDonald's is going to find out that he's knocking them off. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I Yeah, the whole knockoff thing is funny. And like my brother, who I talked to right before, before right after i saw the movie he actually worked in a mcdonald's too oh, wow. <laughs> yeah maybe that's why my perception of like well isn't that the only burger place <laughs> um, did he give you free burgers when he worked there oh, or free, free happy I, meal toys i honestly probably didn't trust him to give oh, me a free burger to be honest so bummer bummer like he, he licked the bread <laughs> right the exactly situation. yeah your exactly. brother would too actually knowing, yeah probably knowing your brother jeremy soda. <laughs> yeah so pass, pass. <laughs> smart decisions smart yeah decisions. i think so hey did you you knew there was a sequel that came out during the pandemic to this movie right so like i i don't know the pan this that piece of information like fell into a black hole for me like i vaguely remember that i haven't seen it though i watched i haven't before. either it looks terrible. In the same way I was worried that this movie was not going to live up and like, oh God, is it going to be cringy? I feel like the sequel definitely will be cringy and will ruin my childhood memory of this movie. Yeah, I kind of wanted to just leave it be. 
as yeah. is. Because I think, yeah, of course, there's always reboots and sequels that are great. There's a whole, the whole Star Wars franchise, if you will. I was like, you know. That I'm, one has both great and awful cringy with the Star right, Wars but reboots. <laughs> but they've been successful, right? So I'm like, I was like, I don't know. I, I'm just going to let it be. I'm just going to let Eddie Murphy from 1988 live in my mind here and, and not age him. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 All right. So are we ready to score this? Sure. All right. So I think, I think this is going to score pretty well. So with all this in mind, so now we're going to score the movie for how did it uh, live up to us as adults. So a uh, score of one to 10, one is garbage, 10 is princess bride. Uh, what you got for me, Treat? As an adult, and I was ready to sit through a total cringe fest with this movie, and it wasn't. So that was fantastic. I'm going to go an eight. Again, I feel like I give a lot of movies an eight as an adult, but this made me happy to watch it again. Really enjoyed it. It was better than I expected. So solid eight. Solid eight. Yeah, so I'd also, uh, and just for context, you had also given some of the other movies you liked in eight, like Roger Rabbit. Yeah, this is like lazy grading on my part. And Adam Stanley. <laughs> but I had written down an eight too. It was absolutely a delight to watch again. It was not cringy in the parts that I thought it was going to be cringy. And if anything, I thought that some things landed even better to me that I thought was funnier. I mean, I, I guess I could pick it apart a little bit. Like I'd say it's an eight, but not higher because, you know, the love story was just a little bit fast and just sort of like meh like Lisa's like a meh character so I mean maybe it's slightly dated in some ways with all the floofiness but those are like minor things but yes a solid eight I am in agreement there I I think that's an eight and for me that's the highest rating that I that's the highest you've (laughs) given any movie ever it is it is I really enjoy I mean I think I'd watch this again like tomorrow like I really enjoyed it The next thing is, so that's a 16. So I think that might be of the highest that we've had so far, but um, that, you know, so now we're going to rate it for, uh, again, same scale, one to 10, uh, one being garbage, 10 being Princess Bride for how it lives up to kids today or its intended audience. So this one was tricky for me because I think with the rated R rating with him being on him, meaning Eddie Murphy being on SNL and Arsenio Hall being on late night television, I guess this was targeted to adults. Right? Yeah, it had to be. But yet we watched it as kids. It's a like cult classic over. for kids our age. <laughs> whether whether that was a questionable thing, parents of the 80s or not, whatever, we're fine. We're fine. <laughs> I feel like a censored version of it was perfectly good for kids. I mean, it's a love story and they're not treating yeah. anybody poorly. And, you know, the main character... Prince Akeem is sticking up for women and wanting to have a marriage where he treats his wife as an equal and saying all that aloud. And yeah, there's nothing really like mean in this movie and there's nothing really cringy other than the copious amounts of swearing. Right. Which swearing's fine. I mean, yeah, on some level. And I I mean, the edited version, like if you could get a hold of that and it's got the nudity out of there and it's got the swearing turned into mother fathers (laughs) (laughs) yeah and I think it's okay for kids but yeah I heavily edited I mean I definitely you know I sound like some sort of like 
uptight person when I would definitely shut this movie off with my five-year-old after 20 minutes. But I think it was as a parent, it was really because I don't want my kid to be the one saying this on the playground. And the funny thing is, is that I'm already terrible with this and curse a lot. And I even had a you know, over the summer or a year ago, a parent say, oh, my son used, uh, damn it. And he used it correctly. And I was wondering where could, where on earth could have he has gotten it? And I'm like hiding my face. Like obviously my yes. son says, I know my son says Corrupting all the time children in the playground. The <laughs> so I'm already that parent amongst the community here. And I just felt like I just didn't need Isaac to go around saying, what are sex with bathers kind of situation. Yeah. So in, in that regard, I think not that young, five, six, no. too young. It's too R. Young. It's rated R. It's solidly R. And, but, but yeah, I think, I think the intended audience is adults, but you know, we watch it as kids. So I, you know, I want to put it as imagining either teenagers or young adults today. I mean, for me, this was a tricky rating because if I say adults, then that's, I'm starting with an eight, right? Mm. But then it's like, well, I grew up with an affection for this movie. It's still a little bit dated. I don't think that parents will show this to their kids today in a way. So, and you know, there's a little bit of like the clutchy pearls part to me. So I did knock it down to a five, which might be too harsh. But I just imagine like a 19 year old watching this today. And I think someone who loves comedy and the art of comedy will love it. But I'm not sure it's one that you're going to go to over and over again as like a 20 year old. Yeah. yeah. I landed on the exact same number. No I way. Say, We're the not... same. We've never agreed before. We what? have never agreed this hard before. <laughs> um, so what's your reasoning for a five? It's same thing as you. Uh, I would never show this to a child under 10 unless you can get that heavily edited version from way back in the day on network television you do have to be careful with some of the jokes being told here because the context has changed quite a bit that's true (laughs) and also uh certain lines are funny coming out of eddie murphy but they're not going to be funny coming out of a kid on the playground um right so fives all around for the kids Fives for the kids. And I I think of the kid, when I say kids, I also really think of like, almost like a college student age as, as probably the target here. Um, Yeah. But they're sort of more adults over 18. Yeah, you're you get an eight. Yeah. Um, So this is the first time we've solidly agreed i mean we definitely this is even, weird What's even happening? when we both like something um we haven't always agreed on this uh on the actual scoring so that is a first we'll see if that holds up as the only this but is I, also the highest score you've ever given anything it is it <laughs> is so what are we total so we have 10 16 so we're at um 26 26 actually i think the adams family scored one higher right yeah so this is actually the second highest because the adams family i think we really scored it fairly high for kids i i leaned in on the adams yeah which i would say that that's still true um for this one and and really Mm -hmm. i think it's because you know it's a low rating really because we probably had no business watching this as 10 year olds no about it (laughs) but we're better for it it's fine so this last you know i think we know where we're going here so the last question is whether it lives up like does it overall live up regardless of score so what is it well it actually surpassed my expectations yes this definitely lived up it was great. It's a yes for me too. I, 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 
even as an adult, I think I could watch this again, like in short order. I thought it was super fun. But, but I, um, I love that we've already decided the sequel does not live up having not watched it at all. <laughs> I know. I just watched the trailer. I actually watched the trailer like twice and I was like, nah. oh, it's just, yeah, but maybe we don't know what the fuck we're talking about and it's actually really good. And I would love if a listener told us. Call how, us out. We're being yeah, hypocrites. Call us out. I actually really want to know, is the sequel good? Like, should we watch it? And, you know, obviously we gushed on this one. So would love for folks to take a watch of this and let us know what they think. Um, and you could let us know so with uh, you could find us at Live Up Pod on all the socials, not the Tickety Talk yet, but all the rest of the socials. You can find us there. And if you want to shoot us a note at liveuppod at gmail.com. So thanks for listening. And, you know, if you want to stick around, I'll have a little bit of a bonus of just what my brother's impressions and memory of this was without Ooh. having rewatched it. So that'll be fun. All right. Till right. next time. Until next time. Uh, we are reviewing Coming to America on the Live Up podcast. And as so many of our conversations go, we think about how we've watched the movie, how we came to love the movie, and who we watch the movie with is typically our siblings and friends. So to that end, knowing that I had watched Coming to America all the time as a kid, I've decided to talk to my brother to see what his memories are and um, how he feels about the movie and, and just what he thinks. So to that end, here is my brother. Hello. So this is Jeremy Latterman, brother of host me, Jess Latterman of the Live Up podcast. Okay, so coming to America, I know that we've watched this together as kids like a lot. <laughs> so can must, you must be at the million time, I, I would say, I guess. A million. Can you set the scene of how you remember us watching? It's funny, I don't specifically remember like watching the movie as much as I remember sitting in the den and I uh, I remember that we watched it, but I can't, I guess, place watching this with you exactly. Because in my head, this kind of switches places with trading places a lot. So I'm not sure which memory is watching this movie, which, which memory is watching that movie. Um, I feel like we watched both of those movies in the, around the same time. Yeah, it was like a, our Eddie Murphy phase, I suppose. Yeah. Um, Would it surprise you to know that this movie is rated R? Is it really? No, I did not know that at all. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually, it's funny, uh, in my head I was thinking, oh, that was a great movie. Can I like watch it with my kids? But sounds like I can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, just based on your memory, without me telling you There's that, definitely which... things, um, like I remember like the, the, the band Sexual Chocolate. Like, the, <laughs> But I kind of just assumed that it went over my head as a kid. And I didn't realize it was rated R. Yeah, I didn't realize that either. I'm not saying you shouldn't show it to your kids, but I, I did watch the first 20 minutes or so with Isaac, my son, who's five. And uh, yeah, and as I'm watching it, I was like, this doesn't, this really feels like not, a, I mean, it's going over his head. But once I got to this, the, you know, the, I don't know how much you remember about the early part when, you know, the king, otherwise known as James Earl Jones is like, I just always assumed you had sex with your bathers. <laughs> well again i i would assume anything sexual would go over uh isaac's head 
I wasn't didn't mean to get all pearl clutchy, but then I was like, let me just look to see like parents <laughs> of the year here. Of what? I'm like, oh no, it's rated R. Um, but before I told you that, do you think you would have tried to watch it? With I kids? probably would have because I actually remember the scene you're talking about, and I remember it wasn't phrased. Uh, they didn't use the word sex. They said sowing your wild oats or something like that. Yeah, so good memory. I kind of assumed that would go over the kids heads because i mean i barely know what that means now and i'm 41 (laughs) yeah yeah i think so just so you know both of those terms are in there not that we need to clutch our pearls over it yeah no i i think we watched the first 20 minutes and then i i was like yeah it's time to go to bed isaac (laughs) i started to remember the rest of the movie and i thought maybe i shouldn't watch a rated r movie with an almost six-year-old um (laughs) but so i know it definitely surprised me that it was rated r so but, you know, obviously you and I would liked it a lot. So why do you think we like the movie so much? Like, why did we choose it to watch over and over? I mean, it was funny. Eddie Murphy's hysterical and Arsenio Hall's hysterical. And <laughs> I remember the scene at the bar when he's hitting on a bunch of women and one of them's Arsenio Hall dressed in drag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it was funny. What do, you, what do you think of the movie? What is the first thing that comes to mind? Uh, that it's funny that I would want to... I'd like to see it again because it's been a while and I, I would have thought that I'd watch it with the kids. Um, I would have I think, thought... I think you should and report back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not sure about that now. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't picture scenes that... I mean, there's certainly some ideas that'll go over their heads and um, there's certain things that they wouldn't quite understand and certain things I wouldn't want them to repeat. But I, I wouldn't think I'd hesitate to watch it with the kids. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to now, though. <laughs> <laughs> I think I ruined it. I think I should have just let you watch it with the kids, which I don't think it would have been the end of the world. I mean, certainly- I probably would have you done were- what you did, clutched my pearls and shut it off at some point. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I wasn't watching it with Lily, you know, who's now 11. But, you know, we were younger than that when we watched this. Probably. So. Yeah. Do you remember picking up any satire when you when you watched it as a kid? When we watched it together, the whole soul glow thing. The whole soul glow thing, but it's actually it's actually kind of funny and still lands. I, I guess it was I'd have to re-see. cringe, and I it it didn't hit cringe for me. Does the queens in the movie in your mind hold up to your view of queens today? Boy, that's a good question. I would think no, because I mean I'm in Queens almost every day now, and my you don't ex- see a McDowell's? I don't. <laughs> no, it was more. I feel like the movie was more suburban almost. Yeah. I guess there was a scene in the subway. I think. Yeah, there was. She you remember her actually, earrings or something? Yes, yes. When he basically at the end, when he is basically he Hakeem slash Eddie Murphy uh, is chasing after Lisa after Lisa finds out that uh, he's really a prince and she's pissed. <laughs> <laughs> and she gives him those expensive earrings back that he had given her as like an anonymous gift. Right. And, and he then, gives it to a stranger, I think. That's right. He and, does. And then she says something about being single, I think, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time. Yeah. No, it's it, you're you're remembering a lot more, I think, than I did. Do you think you're going to go back and rewatch this movie? Yes, but I'm, I am not going to watch it with the kids. <laughs> I'm going to give it a should. pass through first. And <laughs> <laughs> Just to uh, vet it for them first. Yeah, it's sort of funny. I kind of like, I'm glad I watched this as a kid. Uh, Obviously, I mean, I'm glad that our parents didn't clutch their pearls over this. But I was shocked when I saw the rating and then 
so watching it again. I let was me like, ask oh, you wow, a question. A lot. What yeah. scene made you, you know, clutch your pearls and turn the movie off? <laughs> oh God, good question. It wasn't a specific scene that made me clutch my pearls. It was more like it was adding up as I was watching it with Isaac again, almost six year old. Um, <laughs> I mean, what did he really, think about that? He probably was like, no, I want to watch. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, when you first watch something you haven't seen in a while and then it triggers your cascade of memories and the whole movie could just like play before you, then you remember things. So after the whole, I thought you already had sex with your bathers and sowing your royal oats and they were on their way to New York. I decided that, you know what? <laughs> I think there's going to be a lot here that I don't remember that might not, I might not want my six-year-old to repeat this on the playground. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm, I'm hesitant. Like, I trust my kids to watch it. I wouldn't trust them not to repeat it. <laughs> well, thank you for jogging my memory. And I hope I jogged some of your memory, at least enough to rewatch the movie. Definitely uh, did. With or without your children. <laughs> your, your call. And- 